as a radical feminist, I think the systems that exist are irreparably broken. And I started understanding that as, as a woman and then grew to understand that as a white woman and as a woman with relative class privilege, as an able-bodied woman, all and, and when I was not identifying as a lesbian, as a straight woman, like I started layering on these pieces and I was like, it's too much. The system is built on all of these pieces um, that, are, that are damaging. These institutions, the way they're built, the way the system works is damaging and dangerous to people and people die in it and it's not okay. And so that's where my radical feminism, it's like, we're going to have to remake this thing in order to find equity. Welcome you to a brand new episode of the Lenses Podcast. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you keep tuning in and listening to these episodes, giving me feedback. Uh, it's like you're really enjoying the conversations as much as I am. I love it. I absolutely love it. I hope that you're getting an incredible amount out of these conversations too. At this this time that we're taking just to just to sit back and, and close our eyes and listen to the stories of others through the lenses that they see the world. I'll tell you that my worldview is expanding like crazy right now as I, as I keep hearing story after story and approach after approach, lens after lens. I hope, I truly hope it's the same for you. Thank you again so much for listening. Please tell your friends. Please tell your family about it. Please spread the word that, that what we're doing here is, is a good thing and it's, and it's helping to expand the conversation, expand all of our worldviews together. The other thing I want to say is that if you know of someone that you think would be a just a fantastic guest for Lenses, then please, please reach out to me. Contact me. The easiest way to get a hold of me is just to email me at Casey at CaseyTravis.com. But today, I have this incredible opportunity to speak with my friend, Rebecca Rossi. Rebecca grew up similarly, yet very differently than I did, uh, in just in that we both grew up in, in very religious and church-attending households. She grew up very Catholic. I didn't grow up Catholic, but, but we had a lot to talk about. She was the black sheep of her family. Again, we shared a lot of things. The lenses that she's going to be sharing with us today, her, her views through these lenses, are those of, of being a mother, of a radical feminist, an atheist, and queer. In fact, you remember Sam Quiggle from our very first episode, Rebecca and Sam are married. And so I have this, even this, this, we get to put the other side of the, the picture together. And, and honestly, at some point, I, I hope to be able to speak to them both at the same time, because I just think that, that their story together is one that uh, would give us some very wonderfully unique perspective as well. So here's my conversation with Rebecca. I trust you're going to get as much from it as I did. Um, okay, wow. So yeah, I was born in, in Joliet. Joliet is a uh, river town, a working class, it's like river town south of Chicago. Now it's kind of a suburb. Okay. 
But when I was there, Chicago suburbs hadn't quite like stretched that far yet. So uh, it. it was just this, um, you know, we moved to Tacoma. Folks from the uh, Pacific Northwest may have a, a vision of what they think of when they think of Tacoma. That's Joliet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of rough, kind of, you know, kind of gritty. Um, and, and incredibly Catholic. So the, the town is organized by parish district. So I would say I grew up in the cathedral district. One of my good friends. Well, okay. district. So that's the whole town that you were in. Very, yeah, the the whole it. town, not just got my it. family, the whole town. You identified okay. by where, which parish you lived near. Um, even if you weren't Catholic though, I really didn't know anybody who wasn't Catholic until a Lutheran girl came to our school. And that was like, holy shit, <laughs> like Lutheran. Oh my God. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's my world. That was my world. Um, we lived yeah, in, the, in the evangelical tradition, we called Lutherans almost Catholics. So. Right. Right. <laughs> but it was like this weird person with these crazy beliefs, right? Like, because right. everybody else is Catholic. Right. So anyway, it was a very insular kind of community that I grew up in. And we lived between my, my grandparents. So my dad's parents were about a mile in one direction. My mom's parents were about a mile the other direction. And I'm the second oldest. I have their four kids in my family. Okay. Yeah. A strong sense of family. Very, I mean, all your family was close. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and we went to Catholic school and um, that was a big, you know, kind of part of our our world and our life and Hmm. and all of that. And so, um, yeah. So the fact that atheism is now one of my lenses is its its own journey. (laughs) I told Sam there's like a bunch of stories. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just was a, I was a tough kid. I think now they would probably diagnose me with ADHD. Mm. Uh, but in 1979, they just, you know, spanked me and told me <laughs> to stop moving or whatever, right? whatever <laughs> right. the thing was. Cause that's what you did. Exactly. I just was like, <laughs> ah, you know, and, um, yeah. and so it was, I always had kind of that sense of myself that I was like the bad kid, the one that was always in trouble. If something was going to break, I was going to break it. If something was going to get messed up, I was going to mess it up. Um, and that kind of carried through a a really long time in my life. Um, Mm. and that was a a hard lesson to unlearn and to kind of re relearn how to think Mm. about myself. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of rebellious and curious. Um, and I didn't, I didn't just accept things, which doesn't go great in a very religious family, whether you're evangelical or Catholic or, right. you know, right. Um, my, my, my mom particularly really conservative and, and over the years has gone into what I would consider kind of obsessive with religion to the point of feeling like that's, that's maybe a mental illness, like at this point, okay. right? The, just okay. the extreme views. Got um, it. And so that was kind of everything in our, in our world and our life was like that. And so, um, there, you know, there wasn't space to be, um, anything other than a girl who planned to have kids and be married and, you know, be a part of the church and all of those things. And that really wasn't, um, this is what it is to be a Catholic. mm -hmm. So this is who you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have all the babies and grandkids and all the things. And so um, another interesting thing about my life is my mom also taught natural family planning. I'm not sure 
Mm, the Billings yeah. ovulation method. <laughs> so we had essentially, my mom was essentially kind of like a sex educator, but like the opposite of what I think of now when I think of that, right? So we learned all of this, like by kind of osmosis, we learned all this like technical information about how this all works. And it was like a um, kind of a preoccupation with uh, people's fertility and the way they chose to control that or not and what they yeah, chose to do with their yeah. bodies and like constant it was just this constant stream of commentary on what other people were doing with their bodies okay <laughs> so so uh you know I'm I'm kind of cruising along my childhood and and being myself and getting in trouble um and I think like a the a big turning point for me um, you know, I'm trying to accept and be the person that my family wants me to be and my parents want me to be. And, um, but it's just not really working. So I went to Catholic school my whole life, including, um, high school and my junior year in high school, I got pregnant. Okay. So, um, my older sister, it's, it's so Brady, like perfect Marsha, you know, me and the middle yeah, kid, yeah, Jan. Yeah. And then we have this adorable yeah, yeah. younger sister, Claire, who's like the Cindy. Yeah. And then we have a younger brother. So, right. So yeah. my older sister, always good. I'm the one that's always getting in trouble, pushing the way, leading the charge. And so this was just, you know, kind of one more thing where. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you said that you went along going through, you know, middle school, high school, getting in trouble, you, you weren't talking about like, throwing fits and you know stealing cookies out of the kitchen like you were getting in trouble oh I was getting in trouble I mean by the time I hit high school I you know again to to kind of go back like maybe I would have been a diagnosable kid now you know the, the mm. then I was like well let's try this whiskey yeah like yeah, what'll yeah. that do right and so yeah yeah I mean by the time I hit high school I was using drugs and I was drinking and I was okay. pretty pretty wild and I think yeah. that, you know, living up to my, the expectations yeah. <laughs> that were yeah. given to me and kind of responding to um, just like that constant feeling of not being right hmm. um, and trying to figure out um, an, a different path because I'm obviously not going to be ever what they want me to be. I can't, you know, I can't quite make that happen. And, you know, I had pretty good grades and I was involved in gymnastics and dance and things. So it wasn't like I was only doing like those other things, but yeah. they were definitely a big part of my life and my managing my existence and trying mm. to like get by. Okay. Um, Cause yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough to be that person um, mm. to always be feeling um, not quite right. Now my mom comes from a family of 10 and her brothers, mostly, so she has six brothers, and then there are four girls, so she has three sisters. And my uncles were, like, these amazing, cool people that would, like, swoop in and save me <laughs> at intervals. Really? But they were also, you know, off at college and getting PhDs, and um, we were, you know, in town and not leaving and stuff. So they would yeah. kind of come in and out of my world, so... Um, they did a lot to mold me and I, uh, and open my world up. So one of my uncles, when I was a 
junior high, handed me a Midsummer Night's Dream and said, it's about fairies, you'll like it. <laughs> I just was like, read, like, read some like Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can do it. You're smart enough. Yeah. And I did. He was right. I loved it. It was super fun. And it yeah. started me on like a lifelong love of Shakespeare and theater. And hmm. so, you know, like those things happened. It wasn't all doom and gloom. And I yeah. did have these people who were helping me. But I'm assuming a lot of contention like in your household though. Like yeah. you and your mom probably butted heads a fair bit. Every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. dad too. It, like, yeah. You know, it was just a constant. Um, my dad really didn't know how to handle me and he wasn't very communicative in that very mm. um, stereotypical 1950s yeah. guy kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So extended family was a, a saving grace in, in that mm-hmm. then. Definitely. That, uh, you still yeah. had the, the connection there, people that you trusted, that sort of thing. And that, yeah. Yeah. So I had people who also believed different things about me, right, yeah. than what, my, right. what I was right. getting at home, which I think helped a lot. Um, so, yeah. So I get to high school and I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, my older sister is already there. So she's kind of set the stage of good grades, really pretty, really perfect. And I kind of come roaring in as myself. Um, (laughs) and you know, that wasn't easy either. I ended up in detention a lot for dress code Mm. violation. Just, it was just, you know, that kid, you know, that kid. Yeah. 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 You might've been that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got my own stories. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, my, my junior year, I, you know, I come from this intensely anti-choice family Mm. and, I get pregnant and I'm like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like I can't tell my parents, I can't tell anyone, I can't do this, I'm not gonna do this. And so I decided I was gonna terminate the pregnancy. I told a, a single friend, who was going to help me um, figure this out. And (laughs) I'm sitting in class one day, and over the intercom, I get called to the counselor's office. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I mean, I could have done any number of things, so whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But your friend cracked. That's what's going on. Your friend cracked. Yes. So (laughs) I, I walked down to the counselor's office. Not only did my friend crack, so my friend cracked. She told the counselor she's concerned. She's having this, you know, ethical crisis about terminating a pregnancy. And, you know, we're Catholic kids. Yeah. You just don't do it. It's a sin. It's terrible. That's all you hear, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, so she cracked, and the counselor's response was to call my mom in. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I walk into the counselor's office with my mom sitting there already informed. Oh. Um, yeah. Which is, I think, some really serious ethical violation for a counselor, but, you know. But it was a Catholic school, so they do right. what they want. They do what they want. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm 15. They don't. Right, like, right, you right. Know. 
<laughs> yeah. Mm. I guess I was 16. So, um, yeah. So that kind of derails and now I'm on this other, this other trajectory. And so, um, most of that year was just, uh, the rest of that year. So it was the end of my junior year, um, was a lot of getting called out of class to talk to this priest, to talk to the counselor. Um, my dad stopped talking to me. My mom said, you know, we're giving this kid up for adoption um, because I'm not going to help you, you know, raise yeah. this child. Um, yeah. So all the decisions were then just made. It went from you saying this is what's going to happen to you having no say in anything that happened. Yes. Yeah. And it was that it was a huge turning point for um, just that, that understanding of um, a perspective that had always been demonized, like in my whole life, right. Being pro-choice, supporting people's right to choose what happens to their body was the worst. It was just terrible. Hmm. Um, and now, you know, I was like living this <laughs> and, and, um, that was definitely when the shift kind of just started. Like, this is not okay. And not just okay. Be, you know, I was just looking around like, this is not okay for any, any of us. Right. 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 Cause I have friends who are experiencing different things and, mm -hmm. um, I certainly wasn't alone. Um, so that was, you know, that was really a very challenging, um, time. And, and through all of it, the boy that I had been seeing, was nowhere. No one mm. talked to him. No one asked him a question. No, nothing. And he just, you know, he had, you know, supported my first plan and was not going to be involved. Yeah. Um, and that was he really, at the school. Mm -hmm. He was the same school. So you still saw him. You still every day. Yeah. As I'm getting pulled out of class, he he's just, goes, just sitting there still playing yeah. football. Still. Yeah doing all his things, um, you know, yeah, mm. just not unaffected, unaffected mm. as my world is like crashing down. And so I wasn't allowed to come back the first semester of my senior year just to be singled out like that and, and feel all the consequences. Mm -hmm. um, it was just, it just incensed me. <laughs> in, a, in a very public forum. <laughs> I mean, you're not just being quietly talked to. You're being called out of class, and everybody knows exactly why. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right, yeah. and parents are having discussions about whether it's appropriate to allow me to come to practice or not. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. just – and it's, you know, I'm to kind of – Well, they were, obviously, they were obviously right. I mean, your friend got pregnant the next year. Right. So, so that had everything to do with me. <laughs> that everything. was your fault also. Sure. <laughs> Man, if I could do that, sorry, I would be a I popular lesbian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody would be like, hey. <laughs> right. Right? Um, and, you know, at this point in my life, I'm not even dealing with that. Yeah. Right? There's that whole piece of me that's just getting jammed okay. Okay. and away. And not I, in any way whatsoever. Um, I mean, it's right. It's there, but I'm not dealing with it at all. Okay. Right. Like there are bigger issues at hand. Yeah. Right 
Yeah. yeah. Like friends, like kiss friends at, par- at slumber party. Like that just happens, right? It doesn't mean anything about who I am. Like all okay. those things are kind of there. Um, and, and that's just kind of getting pushed to wait, <laughs> to okay. wait for a little while. Okay. And, um, so yeah, so I make it through and I went through with the adoption and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have made a different choice there. I wasn't ready to raise a child and I didn't have, um, yeah the resources to do it. And I was told that I wasn't going to get any assistance though. Again, my sister, um, my nephew is 27 and he was born almost a year to the day after. Um, they literally are like a day apart birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom provided childcare for her for his whole life. Really? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, there's that piece of you that's like, was I imagining that feeling? And then I look at those kinds of things like, no, it really no, was a very uneven kind of yeah. um, way of dealing with people. Hmm. Um, so, and I, as, as a mother, I know your kids are individuals. You deal with them as individuals, right? Hmm. Not everything is um, equal. So, sure. uh, but yeah, so I made it through. I ended up going back to school my last the second half of my senior year, um, and, and graduated. And, um, because of the kind of delays, I spent a semester at a community college and then I went off to, to normal to become a radical feminist atheist lesbian. (laughs) I love that that's, I love that you went to normal. I know, I know, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So yeah. yeah, I went to ISU. I, I moved and, and went to school and I was going to, I studied theater. Um, I ended up shifting majors. I didn't really love the theater department and the kind of politics of actual theater. I, I was better when I, when I got pregnant, I cleaned up my act as far as drinking and drugs and that kind of stuff. Um, then after I kind of slipped back a bit, I was drinking way too much, partying way too much, uh, mm-hmm. less intense with some other things, which was probably good. Yeah. Um, and ended up failing out my second year. <laughs> and sure. my parents were like, all right, that's it. Where they had been paying my tuition and um, housing costs. And then I was working to pay for books and other stuff. And they said, that's it. We're not paying anymore. You're on mm-hmm. your own. And I was like, well, I'm not moving back home and I'm not, I'm just going to make it. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, at 19, I was, off my parents on your own yep on my own yeah yeah (laughs) and that was good for me so I shifted majors I found um philosophy through a gen ed and really enjoyed it and kind of took that track thinking law school vaguely yeah (laughs) and uh but but you're I mean you're like you're figuring it out for yourself now yes yeah I'm on my own I never moved once I moved out of my parents house I never moved back in I never okay. went home for more than three days, four, mm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't distanced from my family. I was still talking to people. My siblings came and saw me. I would go home for visits. So I wasn't um, out of the family. I just was building my own life. Right. Separately. Right. So yeah. um, building a normal life. <laughs> <laughs> In normal. <laughs> In normal. 
Um, <laughs> Becoming yeah. a normal person. Yeah. And so like through, and I started, I, you know, I had all this trouble my first couple of years and, and ISU had counseling services and I started going to therapy hmm. and like dealing with some of this stuff. And that was really life-changing. And I met a counselor who was very feminist in her take on the world. Hmm. And I was, you know, learning feminist philosophy in my classes and it was just resonating so much, um, with me and the way that I had experienced the world and, um, you know, cause the, the one incident incident in high school of feeling like there were two worlds going on and mine was definitely not the privileged one. Wasn't right. the only experience, right? Women live this experience their whole lives. And there mm-hmm. was just all of these things building up. And I was kind of finally getting language and a framework to understand that. And this, this realization that there were lots of incredibly smart people out there articulating this and thinking about it and expanding our understanding and working for change in ways that I just didn't understand coming from the family that I came from before that. And, Mm. um, it's become a, and remained, you know, a really defining piece of how I, I see the world and my experience and how I chose when I did have kids that I raised, um, how I chose to raise those kids. Yeah. Got it. So, so, so when you say, you know, you're a radical feminist, was that one of those things like you started meeting with this counselor, you started recognizing these things. Was that like a switch that happens or is that a process? It's um, so Gloria Steinem has a book called revolution from within. And I think I still have my very annotated highlighted copy of this book. And, and she articulates it as a click, click moments. So it's not a switch that flips. It's something that all of a sudden the pieces snap into place, but it's like a really big puzzle, right? So it's not one switch turning the light on. It's all these different pieces. Boom, 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 boom. And you're like, ah, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then under kind of understanding. And so, you know, you get more radical as you go, I think. Well, so great. What, when you say, radical. I mean, what does radical feminist mean? Oh, just little, little pause in the story for a second. Got ya. So, so uh, I'm going to go full philosopher on you. Um, so it's, it's not just that I am a, like I have radical views, but so there are different kinds of feminism that liberal feminists, um, tend to think in terms of the systems that we have can work if we just, focus on equality within those systems. Okay. Right. So, so marriage is okay. Um, and it's a system that works, but we want equal marriages. We want equal pay. Um, those are all things that I agree with. I don't disagree. Um, we don't need to upend everything. Exactly. We just just need to reform it. Right. We can find equality within the systems that exist as a radical feminist. I think the systems that exist are irreparably broken. (laughs) and I started understanding that as as a woman and then grew to understand that as a white woman and Mm -hmm. as a woman with relative class privilege and right as an able-bodied woman all and and when I was not identifying as a lesbian as a straight woman like I started layering on these pieces and I was like it's too much 
the system is built on all of these pieces um, that are that are damaging these institutions, the way they're built, the way okay. the system works is damaging and dangerous to people and people die in it. And it's not okay. okay. And so that's where my radical feminism, it's like, we're going to have to remake this thing in order to find equity. Okay. And so this is the stuff when Sam says, I'm a better lesbian than her. (laughs) 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 These are the things that, you know, she hadn't really considered and we talk about and and she's kind of had to think through some different things. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. Please carry on. So so you're in in normal now. You're, you know, you're you're having these click moments. Yes. And I'm, I'm, um, hanging out with a really cool group of women. And I started volunteering with the rape crisis center, um, which was super life changing and amazing and, and, you know, tragic Mm. (laughs) all at the same time. And, um, still not coming out. I'm still not okay with that. And this is, I'm, this is the very early nineties. I'm a solidly Gen X right? We're pre-Allen, okay. we're pre... And I, I struggle now because folks are like, why didn't you just come out? I'm like, there was no coming out. And there, there were a few people on campus that I knew of, but very few. And okay. they just seemed like brave, way braver than me, like in every okay. way. But by this time, like, you know, you're a lesbian. Mm, I know that I'm not loving the way things are going, but I get married. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm, I'm like, I know yeah. that part is coming yeah. and I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm involved. I'm pretty radical. I'm, I'm doing a better job of choosing the people that I'm dating and, um, and associating with. And I meet my kid's dad, Tim, you know, who now, you know, we're, we're still friends and co-parents and all those things. We meet, wait, I was waiting tables. That's how I'm making my living at this point. Anyway, so we meet and I ended up, getting pregnant again and he's catholic okay and i'm catholic yeah and we kind we like each other yeah right we're like good drinking buddies we're good workout buddies we like the same music um i can hold he's he was a sports writer i can hold my own out with the guys right (laughs) (laughs) so we're like well it'll be fine we'll get married yeah. That's literally the level of that's, excitement. That's about the this. solution. That's yep. the solution to the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll okay. get married. We like each other. We don't really want to yeah. break up. So we'll just be together. Yeah. Um, and that's so that's how I met Delaney, my now 24 year old amazing daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I get married and have Delaney and less than a year we were both like whoa like nobody's happy everybody's drinking too much things aren't going great um and then I get pregnant with Brennan (laughs) okay and I'm still in school and Tim is in grad school um so we're not you know we don't have a lot of resources and so I have Brennan and it's you know, it just, we were just both unhappy, unhappy for, um, we were, we were married for not quite five years. Mm. And, um, I think everybody was 
much happier when we when we split. Mm. Um, but you know, Catholic family, so I'm still participating in all of that stuff too. So I'm getting radicalized around the feminist thing. You know, I'm and I'm my views about the world are changing. I'm having all these like click moments. I have Brennan. Brennan, both still and Brennan were christened in the Catholic Church, and Brennan's christening happens to be Right to Life Sunday. Like it's my kid's baptism, and the priest decides to go on this rant about, and I'm looking around, and it's like a super judgmental one about, like you know, women, like essentially fallen women. So like whether you've had, you've terminated a pregnancy or you were just pregnant and not married and, you know, not doing it the way the Catholic, it was offensive. I was like, I don't know how there's a woman in this place who isn't offended by this, right? And I just, I, because the, when during a baptism, the babies with the godparents, I just got up and walked out. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with yeah. this. I'm done with this yeah. whole thing. And I just yeah. walked out. And that was it for two thousand. That was the last time. That was yeah. the last time. Yeah. And it took a while to, I tried being a Unitarian and I tried being a Wiccan and I tried like other organized religions. And I finally just came to like, nah, this isn't, I don't, this isn't for me. Right. Right. I don't need this. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not, um, it's not my thing. Um, and there are other ways that I can contribute to the world and improve people's state and make a difference yeah. that don't have anything to do with this. Um, yeah. and I that just, that aren't loaded with all the condemnation and the shame mm-hmm. and the guilt trips and the, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I just, so I just went another way and yeah. that is actually the thing that like broke my relationship with my mom, mm. like beyond, we don't talk. I chose to step out of that relationship because it just got so toxic I couldn't continue. But that was really the issue Mm. was that I left the church. Mm. That was the big one. After everything else, that was the final straw. Yep. That was the one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when I came out as a lesbian, like that wasn't even, she wasn't even a consideration and that whole thing wasn't even really a consideration because we had already kind of parted ways earlier than that. Yeah. 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 Wow. So Tim and I split, and I'm still not out. Yeah. For another ten years. Ten years. Yeah, I didn't come out until I was yeah. 36. Yeah. Now, okay, this is ignorant question time. Yeah. <laughs> um, does this mean that you're not? I don't know how else to say it. Practicing at all, or is this, oh, or yeah. or does that just mean you're not? Public. I mean, when you say coming out, does does coming out mean so that people know, or does coming out like a personal you coming out to yourself? Personally to myself okay. and to other people. So am I not practicing? I mean, there's been like dabbling throughout yeah. the years. There's been really intense friendships and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that didn't become physical. Um and yeah, no, I'm just not going there not going there yeah um you're still keeping it from yourself yeah and it's that thing where I'm like ah I think it's you know I support other people and I think it's good but I just don't I just there wasn't a way for me to see that like Mm. 
I just couldn't see the world where I could be that person. And, and honestly, at that point, motherhood had a lot to do with it because mm-hmm. I'm in this yeah. kind of conservative central Illinois town mm-hmm. with two kids in school. And, you know, I already have people who are like not wanting their kids to play with my kids because I'm divorced. Mm. Right. Like one of the, I didn't really like up my, uh, liberal quotient by moving to normal. Like one of the first questions people ask you when you meet them there is what church do you go to? They don't assume it's a Catholic <laughs> church, but they want to know which one you go to. Cause they assume you go to like the big evangelical church or the big Presbyterian church or the big Catholic church. Got it. You go somewhere. Okay. If you're a weirdo, maybe you go to the Unitarian church. Right. And I'm right. like, I don't go in. I go on a bike ride on Sunday morning. <laughs> I go hiking. I drag right. my kids to Starve Rock and go hiking, right. and they hate me for it. Yeah, so you're a divorced pagan. Yep. You're not a <laughs> – there's no way you add lesbian to that. Right. Just I just didn't – I couldn't see how that was, like, possible. And yeah. um, And so um, I start – this is so – um, crazy, but so I started playing roller derby. We started a roller derby league <laughs> in my town and I loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. My kids are older. I have the space and time to kind of do stuff for myself. Yeah. Right. And I, um, I'm just kind of coming into my own in a lot of ways at this point, which I think a lot of women do in their thirties. Right. You've yeah. been just, especially if you have kids young, you're just busy rearing other people, you know? Yeah. And so with my kids, I'm very like, everybody's great and you can be who you want. And, you know, um, very focused. I mean, I, Delaney is also a radical feminist. Like she spent mm. her years from 12 to 20 volunteering as a peer educator for Planned Parenthood. Mm. <laughs> like she's, yeah. you know, she's, um, and Brennan is a very um, progressive, mindful dude. I mean, I raised, I think I raised pretty cool people. Um, mm. So I had that impact on them and it was, it was positive, but I also was momming like all those years and working and right. um, I just wasn't focusing on who I was going to be so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I come along came roller derby and Samantha Quiggle. and my world changed so Yeah. yeah so that was quite a I was uh yeah I was working out and skating and really enjoying myself and um uh and the gym I was working out at she was the a trainer and mm. I joined a group. One of my really good friends um, joined this group, and he was like, "Do this with me." Um, yeah. And I did. And Sam. So it was like a life coach person, Peggy, and then Sam was doing like the workout training with us. And that I mean, I met her that way. Yeah. And. And there's no question that Sam is a lesbian. So, so yes. you're getting to know her in that context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it, it was like immediate. Like, I don't know who this person is, but I need to be around her forever. <laughs> and I had 
those feelings. Like there were other women. So there was a, um, a woman named Kelly that I worked, uh, I was a volunteer for Habitat for Humanity for years and years, even after I left the church. Um, but we worked together on a, the women build house and that got pretty, pretty crazy intense. And, but I wasn't, I, she kind of professed feelings and I just backed away. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, nope. I'm out. I can't do this. You weren't there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I just got scared and I would, and I would do that. And people, I mean, people would get mad at me justifiably so angry with that. Like, Oh, I really like you. I want to be close. And then this like terrified, I'm just going to back out and just retreat. And I would just do that. That was, Mm. that was kind of my thing. (laughs) So, yeah. So I didn't with Sam. And so, and, and this is when, again, this was another one of those then. It was like, a, 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 I'm, again, just kind of jumping to an assumption here, a click moment then. Because there's no, I mean, you know, you you meet Sam, there's this connection there, and you're like, no, I can't, I can't step away from this. This is, this is the moment where I have to say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And she was like. I'm not dating another straight girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing that happens. Uh, I mean, I had been that girl already for a whole host of people who were, they were like, I like this person. And I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe not, maybe, right? And so she's worried about that maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. kind of make another decision. Yeah. Um, and 10 years later, almost, that's not what happened. <laughs> So we're still here. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So can I ask a, a super ignorant and possibly very offensive question? Sure. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about, right? <laughs> right. I still want to ask first. <laughs> um, I heard a lot um, in in my religious upbringing and all of that when it came to the gays that this mm-hmm. whole nature versus nurture argument, right? Mm-hmm. So I hear you talking about a whole lot of nurturing kinds of things that, you know, that, 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 that helped cause you to, um, to decide that you didn't want anything to do with the church that uh, caused you to ultimately not have a relationship with your mom, that, um, you know, a number of things like this. Is there, is there any part of, of you choosing to fully embrace that you are a lesbian and, um, and living life the way you do today? Is there any part of that that's nurture or was that, or is that really just a, a, all of what you were dealing with in your life was a result of fighting against the nature of who you were, not being an environment that were allowing you to embrace the nature of who you are, or is it a little bit of both or, or how does it, what do you think? I feel like it's a little bit of both. So I'm, I'm from one of those families. Um, there's a a lot of us queers in my family. Hmm. (laughs) 
Right. Um, I was the first one to come out, but since um, two of my uncles have come out and they waited until very late in their lives. Is that like an, um, that's an oppression that? thing, right? I mean, like there's so much pressure that it's like it's I mean, all of a sudden when it pops, it just like I mean, people start popping all over the place. Yes. And in our family, if you were going to, you know, it could be maybe known. It could be my one uncle was just, you know, a confirmed bachelor. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like there's all those euphemisms. And it was just that I think the the value of family was high, but the acceptance of the there wasn't that unconditional acceptance of who you mm-hmm. were. Like Sam's family, um, I always say her family the gets unconditional love. They don't always react perfectly. Sometimes they say stuff and you're like, oh, are you really? Yeah, yeah. But um, but they her parents love her and her sisters mm-hmm. without question. Nothing's and gonna those change three, that. Nothing's gonna affect right. it. Right. Nope. And those three girls love each other. Same. Got it. Right. Um, I think my siblings, we have gotten to that point with each other, but we were pitted against each other Mm, as kids. Yeah. Right. And the fact that we've overcome that and we are good adult siblings, I think is a testament to Mm. like us. (laughs) Um, But, um, but yeah, so in my family, there wasn't that like you, you really could just not be part of the family like that it wasn't assumed that there would be this unconditional love. And I think that people didn't want to lose, you know, and my grandparents were also pretty conservative Catholic in the same way. And so any of my mom's siblings were raised in that same kind of world. And then I have a younger cousin. And so I think that, you know, if, if it's in the genes, it's probably in our genes. Yeah. Right. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and also, um, I happened to be living in a world where at a certain point it became possible to be that. Got it. Whereas other folks lived in a world where it was like, well, I just need to keep this inside for for everybody's safety, for my own psychic safety so that I can continue on being a part of the family. And like, I just happened to be of a certain age in a time and a place where I could finally say, I'm just not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not that my, none of my family, they were not out with my family. Um, you know, they may have been out in other contexts that were very separate from my family, but they were not out like in the context of our family. So, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a both. And I don't really buy that much is innate. Um, it's impossible to separate with humans, mm. right? What's innate and what's nature versus nurture. We can't, we're a social yeah, beast. I, I 100% get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I do think, you know, there's some level of biology that drives our, our yeah. behaviors. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's as clear. But, as, but how to peel those two apart, it would be, I mean, yeah. in just impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I do think, I think that um, had I had a different family, I would have come out a lot earlier. Mm. Got it. That it would have been, there would have been a, a way for that to happen a lot earlier. Yeah. And it, there just wasn't. So, um, and, uh, and everybody else, I mean, the story of me, like, announcing that I was a lesbian, like, my brother-in-law, who's known me since I was 15, was like, 14, I was 14, uh, was like, of course. <laughs> he's like this, he's like this super blue collar. He runs big machines for a living. Yeah. Big Tony. That's what he does. He's a, <laughs> we've known each other most of our lives. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had asked, I had asked Sam when I was, yeah. when I was talking to her. 
I had said, you know, okay, so when you came out, you know, you see in all the movies that there's that moment where you come out and you and you and and somebody just puts their hand on your on your shoulder and they're like, honey, I knew mm-hmm. everybody yeah. knew, you know, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, hers was definitely not that way. Uh, but, no, yeah. But she said that you had a few of those moments. I did. Mine just it just was so long and um, in coming yeah. and I had lived such a certain kind of life, you know, my feminism, my activism Um, you know, I, I had a lot of the markers. I mean, shit, I went to the Michigan Women's Music Festival numerous times, like camping with a bunch of women, like women only space, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So there were, there were a few more of those moments of people. They were like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. That's right. What are we doing for dinner? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, so I think that, um, I, yeah, I think it's a both and, and I'm not, a, I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. People are curious about how people become who they are. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's a wonderful mystery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But there's a couple of things that I just kind of want to loop back on a little bit. And so, um, that are just curiosities to me and, and things that you said. So you, you step out of the, the Catholic church, um, at your, and it was your son's christening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so your, your daughter has already been christened. You went through all of that, but this one just was, I mean, the, you know, the, the rant by the priest over the top, you're done. You walk out, you try a couple other churches and, and a couple other different, uh, faith approaches and, and just no dice there either. So a, mm-hmm. You know, and talking about like these click moments, what was that like for you to say, I just can't keep playing this game anymore either. I can't keep playing a game like there's something else out there watching me. What? And maybe, yeah. and maybe that's totally putting words in your mouth. I don't know. What was that process like? Because again, for some people, that's that's as big a deal as... Well, I'm I'm not going to say. I almost said, as other people coming out of the closet, I almost said it, and then I just said it. So I'm going to back <laughs> off of that. <laughs> but it's a huge deal for some people because it, it's again, it was your your entire upbringing. It is worse. So if you poll people, it is worse yeah. to be an atheist than it is to be a lesbian than it is mm-hmm. to be, um, you know. Uh, Muslim than it. I mean, like being an atheist is the worst possible thing you can do. According to like Gallup polls, like people yeah. hate atheists a lot. Yeah. Cause now uh, you can just rape, murder and kill whoever you want to. Cause there is no moral authority for you. Right. Obviously I can't come up with that moral code on my own or find some other way. You know, I, I wouldn't have built it right. just interacting with other humans. Right, and experiencing, right. you know, they're <laughs> so right. And now I'm just, I'm just rudderless. I'm just, you know, pillaging and my Viking hat. What I don't know. Right. right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a progression of like when I was a kid, I loved, and this is not an uncommon thing for Catholics, any Catholic women who are listening ever. Um, I loved Mary and the story of Mary and mm. Like mm. I would just ignore a lot of the other pieces of the church, right? 
Um, so I'm like essentially goddess worshiping as like a sixth grader. Mm. <laughs> Got it. I just don't connect with a lot of the other pieces and Mary seems accessible to me. Um, and she seemed even more accessible to me as I got, went through high school and had those experiences as a, okay. um, as a deity, she, you know, as a guiding force. Um, mm. uh, and so after I left the Catholic church, um, you know, I, I was going to the Unitarian church and they had, a class called Cakes for the Queen of Heaven, um, which some other Gen X ladies might know of. And, uh, and it was about, it was a history of goddess worship, like through the time in community. So you'd go and okay. it, like, think of Bible study, but like goddess stories instead. Okay. From all over the globe. Got it. Got it. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to do that. Cause that seems pretty rad. And yeah, I loved it. I met some wonderful um, people who are, you know, um, it was definitely a, a group that skewed older. So some of them have passed. Um, <laughs> I was definitely in the younger, <laughs> on the younger side of that group. Um, sure. But we had a wonder, I mean, it was a great study and it was really interesting. And I just learned a lot about the kind of different ways that you could believe in the different ways that, that communities had believed in, in the past. Um, and then out of that group kind of grew a pagan, pretty goddess-focused pagan group. So um, the Unitarians have a program called CUPS, which is the uh, Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans. So a lot of you, at least they used to. It's been a long time since I yeah. had contact with the Unitarian Church. But so there were CUPS groups all over of people who were okay. Unitarian and also interested in mostly, you know, kind of, a neo-European paganism, Celtic, okay. yeah, that kind of stuff. Maybe a yeah. little bit of the Norse kind of mythology thrown in. Sure. And so I did that for a while. But the group dynamics, it started to really feel very similar, right? You have people who are jockeying for position and people who are really dogmatic about, like, these certain beliefs. And not a lot about, like, how people are experiencing the world or a way, I don't know. It just didn't mm. feel like it was concerned with the things that I was concerned with, which were, mm -hmm. you know, large scale injustice and systems that um, crush people, <laughs> mm. you know, um, yeah. in, yeah. in ways that were like meaningful and helpful. So uh, it just wasn't it. And, and the kind of pettiness of things got to me. And I, I finally, I was just like, eh, I just don't think the group thing is for me. And I yeah. stepped back, but I was like, ah, oh, maybe there's still something um, bigger. But I finally just kind of came around to that something bigger are, is whatever my feeling, which isn't outside of me or separate from me or separate from this world, that feeling that we can do better um, as humans for each other. And I just sure. kind of came to this very this humanist, this atheist humanist kind of view of, mm. of the world. I don't need a God to tell me what my moral compass is. I can observe. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the world and see a, a path that doesn't doesn't do this. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so being an atheist, you say that to people, and they whew, freak yeah. out. <laughs> so I wasn't I wasn't too far off then is what you're saying when I said that that 
coming out as an atheist is is as big a deal as coming out as as being gay. No, you are. I mean, you're spot on. Like even in the queer, you know, I'm an activist and I work in the queer community and like the number of people who are demanding, you know, to be a part of the faith community and to, for that acceptance and really want that like in, that's a hard one for me to like, really? Oh, got it. Got it. You, you Okay. But okay. Like I, I'm not going to tell you, you shouldn't do that. I just, it's, I, yeah. it's just kind of like one of those like really moments. Yeah. For okay. me. Um, yeah. But I have met lots of accepting churches and I understand for people that that resonates with them. It's very important to feel like a part of something. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of questions that I, that I want to ask that are, that are very lenses specific um, mm -hmm. and not about your lenses, but more so from my lenses. So, you know, as I, as I said to you and, you know, when I, you know, we were kind of chatting about you, you coming on, you know, some of my identifiable lenses are white, heterosexual, uh, male, Christian influenced. I say Christian influenced just to, to leave room there that that's, you know, you, it's really hard to undo years and years of Sunday school, right? So mm -hmm. Christian influence for sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, on and on and on, right? So, and, and these are very, I understand these are very privileged lenses. Um, and, and how, you know, and, and, and somewhat in the, in the same way that you, you were talking about that there are these, these systems that just kind of need to be torn down. Um, I am very much in the process of, of wrestling with all of that, like wrestling with my culpability in that. So as being someone who is aware, who is justice oriented and, and, you know, have recently come to the understanding that I am myself a feminist, um, even, but, but on the most base level in the, like the most base, uh, definition of it that I, that I just believe in equality. Right. And so, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, definitely I'm, I, I'm not about to call myself a radical feminist. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, but with that, all that understanding still starting to peel back, like I just said, my, my culpability that's, um, that is unintentional. Um, and the, you know, and where, where my, my vision is still skewed, because of these lenses that are in place that, that I don't even know that I haven't even recognized yet. Right. So, um, one of the things that, that helps me a great deal is, is these three questions that I have for you. And so the, the first one is, um, what is, what is the one thing that those with my lenses have done that have made life just difficult for you? And, and you can pick whatever grouping of lenses you want to. Oh. Um, wow. The one thing, <laughs> I mean, I think and maybe you need a couple. Holding, That's fine too. Holding on to power, like just with an iron fist, um, is, you know, like white, white men, uh, just refuse to step back. Hmm. Like even when they're demonstratively bad at something, Mm. Like, and I'm not talking just a specific person, um, but like, there's just that overt assumption that I should be the one in charge. I should be the one with power. I should be the one, right? Because I should be the leader. Guy. They don't even, I don't, 
I do not think that white guys go around thinking because I'm a guy, because I'm white. They just think they're the best person for the job. But everything in the world tells them mm. they're the best person for the job, despite mm. their the actuality of that. Sometimes they are absolutely the right person, right? Mm. Sometimes not. Many mm. times not. <laughs> um, mm. So I, you know, I think that just um, it, it's really. I, yeah, I think that's that's a big one. Um, yeah, it's not an individual experience. It's just a, just being in the world and just consistently hitting up against this. Like, would you just step back? Hmm. Like, get out of the way. Get out of the way. So, hmm. yeah. This uh, this may go hand in hand with that, or you may just be uninterested in this question. I don't know. We'll see which way you go with it, but. Uh, what is the what is the one thing that those with my or what is the one thing that you wish that those with my lenses would understand? I so here's a thing that I got when race privilege clicked for me. The system is is such that I won't see it unless I I'm hyper aware of it. And even when I am, there are still going to be situations where mm. it will just be invisible to me because it, that's how it works, mm. right? I can see, uh, I see male privilege all over the place. But as a white person, it takes a concerted effort for me to think in those terms, right? And mm. I feel like, there, that some communities are coming along. I mean, white ladies are, all the Karens out there are doing their damage, but like there are com conversations happening around this. And I think that the more men that move from that, I'm a feminist because it's about equality and start to understand like, you know, that the system works so that you don't, see it and it it's a system that works to create these system these instances where um you know i worked in um victim services domestic violence and sexual assault victim services for a lot of years right mm -hmm. and there's the whole the whole me too movement is happening and and there's this cry for like believe believe women you know we have biden um, with tara reed's accusations mm -hmm. um and Part of the conversation is, well, he wouldn't, he couldn't, he would never. But the whole system is predicated on he can if he wants in so many ways through our whole lives all the way up, right? And so that's one place where it's just really easy for it to be invisible. For, for men just not even to see the way in which they navigate a safer, um, less like dangerous to them, right? World, mm -hmm. just in, in their daily lives. And, and to be able to say, well, you know, this doesn't seem like the scary stereotype, so it can't be. So I think that, that a concerted focused effort on seeing, you know, there's a lot more conversation about white privilege um, because of the black lives matter movement and um, the, how publicized, um, you know, the violence that, people experience because of their 
the color of their skin. Um, and there's an equal amount of work to do around that with gender privilege and yeah. Mm. Mm. So that's what I would. <laughs> this is a, um, this is a really big question to me because it's, um, this is a question that I, I, I struggle with a ton. Um, how can those with my lenses be appropriate allies and even advocates for you? I think it's a combination of shutting up and speaking up, right? So um, (laughs) it's a combination of starting to learn when to step back and stay out when other people's voices um, will carry and leaving that space. And in the spaces where you have the ability to speak up and to, um, to affect change within your own group, do that. Be the ally. It's be the downer in that conversation, right? That joke's not funny. Um, or, you know, I mean, it's bigger. It's much, much bigger than that. Um, but but mm. finding that space when do I need to step back and let other people's voices carry because they are the experts on their experience? <laughs> um, yeah. And where can I speak up in the context of the places where I have a voice? And, you know, so in the context of other men and, and, and women, because it's not just, we all hold these systems up, right? Like we all live in them we're like Mm. fish in a fishbowl. Like you can't get out of them. You talk about the Christian influence. You can't get out of it. It's there. It's part of everything. Um, And so it's not that any one person, you know, is the problem. It's understanding that it's a system. That's the problem. And trying to learn not to take it personally. One of the things that I, it's like this whole, like not all men. Okay. Right. Sure. Yep. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. this is our experience, yeah. right? It's, you know, it's a people who are like, not all white people. Well, okay, but enough white people that it's a really dangerous world. So what do we do about it? Like, right. you know, um, that those things are learning to kind of be the person who pushes on those things where you, um, you know, where you're not showing off what a feminist you are in front of women who are already like, yeah, okay but where you're modeling for other men and maybe women who have a different way of thinking, this is what it means. And this is what it looks like. And this is how we can be better. I think. Okay. It's not easy work. No, um, (laughs) that's, uh, you know, but, but nothing good is, you know, and I, you know, one of the things that um, one of the conversations that I've been having with with my wife recently, um, well, for an extended period of time now, is that it's I, I'm really beginning to look at it. We talk about justice issues like like scales and and there is no balancing of scales without movement and scales work on a system where one goes down and one comes up and you, and you cannot balance them to equal without one coming up and one going down. And so if the scales are so heavily weighted in 
those with my lenses favor, then and if I'm serious about wanting to see any kind of equality happen, um, then I have to give up. I, I have to. And so that has just been like this thing that is, that's, that's so, it's so, it's so deeply impressed on me because then I, I run up into this whole thing too of like, how do I do that? You know, how do I, you know, because I don't consider myself with a lot of power. I don't consider myself as someone with a lot of privilege. I don't consider myself with someone who, you know, all those kinds of things. And it's, and it's finding those, that privilege and the power that, um, that I don't even recognize because it's just so like, like what you were talking about, it's so built into the systems. Um, and so that's uh, honestly, that's the reason why I, I started this podcast um, is because to just like confront it head on and say, I'm just going to ask, I'm going to ask mm -hmm. that's a, that, that last question I asked is, is probably the biggest question on my mind right now. How can I be an appropriate ally and an, and an advocate, not a typical ally and advocate white savior who jumps up on the stage and takes the mic out of your hand to yell at everybody to, you need to shut up and listen to this person because here's what she's telling you. And then I give the speech myself, you know, <laughs> um, and it's like that that's typical, right? That's, and I, and I, I know that there's, there's a good way. There's a good way to, and um, so this is, a, this is a whole exploration thing for me. Um, so I'm just, I, I, I'm so, so grateful that you would actually sit here and take the time to have this conversation with me. Well, it's a I'm huge glad that you yeah. Well, but you don't owe it to me either. And that's the other thing that I, mm -hmm. that's coming to light. You don't owe me any conversation. You, it's not, it's not your problem whether or not I figure this out. I have to figure this out on my own. I get it. Mm -hmm. God, I'm so thankful that you will be <laughs> gracious, though, because <laughs> it helps. Yeah. But we're all doing that, right? So we all have privilege. Like when, when people are like, well, I had this trouble. Yes, absolutely. It's we all live our individual experiences, which are way more complicated than right. right? So um, but you can take the time to listen. You can take the initiative to read. People are people have told their stories. They're out mm. there. They don't have yeah. to individually interact and recount it with you like yeah. the movies say. You just get that one friend who opens your eyes. No, there's a whole <laughs> library of a whole world of stories, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that it's available to you. And, and I think that it's important to listen and take the initiative. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me.